residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. Wow, what an episode. Now, was that episode epic or what? Seriously. I got to tell you, it's probably one of the best episodes of the entire series, easily. And that's high praise, really. I mean, that is, that's high praise indeed. Because there's been, there have, let me actually speak English here. There have been quite a few standout episodes in just two seasons of Hannibal. And you could argue that the worst episodes of Hannibal far exceed most of the other shows that are on television. Okay? But this past episode is just something different. So the the title of the episode, and I'll probably butcher this completely, is um, Kono Mono. And... It's probably, well, it is the best episode this season, definitely. Um, it's just one of those episodes where, from start to finish, the writing, the directing, everything, the performances across the board, they're all tight, and they, they're all working in unison. And that's not to say that, you know, the other episodes this season don't do the same thing it's just this is this is tighter and just better in every respect okay it's like put it this way it's like some of the best episodes this season would get an a in my book okay brilliant fantastic everything's great stylish all that this is an a plus plus okay it's that good. It really is. It's that amazing. And, you know, some of the, you know, worst episodes this season, I would say, deserve nothing less than a B plus, you know. But I just, to start out the podcast, I just I needed to make sure <laughs> that you, the audience, and the people that take time out of your busy schedules to sit and listen to my rambling, um, know right away what I think of this episode. I'm not even in my review yet, okay? And I just want to get get it out there. But uh, yeah, so it's fantastic. It's brilliant. I want to get to the review here shortly. Uh, yeah, the, the podcast is going to be out a little late, later than I wanted to. It's going to be out um, Tuesday, actually. It got really late last night. And I had recorded just about everything but my intro. And... Uh, but I didn't have enough time to, to get it um, finished and, and get everything, all the, the post-production stuff, and get it out and uploaded. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. I went to work today, got home. You know, Now I'm kind of wrapping everything up, so I just want to get it, I'll get it finished here, and then it's going to be up to you to listen to. So before I jump into the, the recap and review, I guess I'll discuss uh, my 
past week? What's been going on with me? Well, uh, I guess nothing too crazy. The weather is fantastic. I've been outside a lot lately. Um, uh, it's running weather now, so that's that's great. There's still cold days, and and we've got a lot of we've had a lot of thunderstorms lately, which makes it kind of hard to get out and run and get out and play tennis, which I enjoy. But I'm not freezing, and I don't have four sweaters on, so life is good. But other than that, my my parents came and picked up uh, the cat, their cat. Um, so he's only been with us for you know, like five months or something like that, close to six months. And uh, it's tough with him not around now. It's I miss him. Yeah, I my my parents have had him now for let's see about seven years. So he's been with us for a while with my with my parents for a while and when I lived there you know I lived with him so I miss him and he's been around you know so much and he my cat and 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 my parents cat they play a lot and now my cat kind of runners or runs around Nona uh, runs around looking for him and she can't find him and she doesn't know where he's gone and you feel like there's a sense of loss there so it's been difficult, a little difficult, but uh, yeah, he'll be back. I'm sure, you know, we'll have him again this year at some point, and if my parents go on vacation next year, probably another four months stay, which is fine by us. What else? Um, anybody that's listened to my podcast or uh, Dissecting Dexter, um, if I've been on there, they know that I'm a huge tennis fan. Uh, my favorite player is Rafael Nadal, and I've been a fan of his for for many years now. Um, so the French Open, Roland Garros, is coming up. I will admit to being distracted uh, quite a bit at that point, which is coming up in like two weeks. So when I go to do the finale, hopefully everything is all well in the tennis world for my guy, because. I'm going to be distracted with tennis. Everybody that knows me knows it. Anybody that that works with me, uh, friends, family, they know that there are certain points in the year where it's going to be hard to reach me. And if you're talking to me, if tennis is on, I may not hear a word that you're saying. So we're kind of getting to that point. Things are ramping up there in the tennis world. And so I'm really, really excited for that too. So I'm excited for Hannibal and I'm excited for Nadal in the French Open and Wimbledon coming up. So a lot of great stuff coming up for me personally. So I'm excited. Anyway, so I guess enough rambling, uh, enough waffling for me today. You're probably thinking, please, I just wanted you to get to the recap and review so I can hear what you have to say. And you know what? I will oblige. So without further ado, let's move on to recap and review. Stay in touch with Michael between episodes by going to the podcast Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Hungry for Hannibal or catch him on Twitter at Hungry for Hannibal. That's at Hungry the number four, Hannibal.
Okay, so to start off the episode, we get probably one of the weirdest openings that the show has given us thus far. In this weird dreamlike opening, we see a Wendigo coming upon the Raven Stag, which is surrounded by blood. All of a sudden, the Raven Stag gives birth to Will Graham. He's covered in blood and uterus, and it's quite simply disturbing to see. It's it's a it's a twisted, weird scene. They've they've done worse and crazier, but it still was. I think a bit unsettling. In the best way possible. Next, uh, we are at Hannibal's home, where we see him dipping what appears to be roasted birds, and what we will eventually find out as Avignac. And actually, this is a kind of brandy from France. So, Hannibal takes the food out to serve to both he and Will Graham. He tells Will that this is a rare delicacy. It's called Artolan Bunting, for uh, the birds are roasted, dipped in Armagnac, and eaten whole, bones and all. I found this scene to be disturbing as well. Just the idea of attempting to eat even a small roasted bird whole is something I just couldn't imagine doing. I noticed that in this scene, there were quite a few close-ups of both Will and Hannibal eating, and I just felt like it added a level of intimacy to the proceedings. Will and Hannibal discuss Freddie Lowndes. You can tell Hannibal is curious and actually asks Will about his heart and whether or not it raced when he killed her. Will says no. Next we see what appears to be a person in a wheelchair of flame as it rushes down ramps and to a space with a sign that says Freddy Lowndes. I can't imagine that anyone who has read Red Dragon would miss such a, an iconic moment as this. I wasn't sure if they would pull this out at this point, I know they've done quite a few iconic moments and, and pieces of dialogue, but this was one that I wasn't sure they would actually use. But it was really effective, I have to say. So it turns out that the burned wheelchair victim is indeed none other than Freddie Lowndes herself. Brian and Jimmy say the blood pooling points to Freddie, having been dead for at least 24 hours, before she was set on fire. A chunk of meat was also taken from her body, which Hannibal indicates as a peculiar trophy. Will notes that Freddie had a longing to be noticed and that she was noticed. He also says that Freddie was nothing more than fuel. She won't rise from the ashes, but her killer will. Next, we find Margot in Hannibal's office, and she has some great news. She's pregnant. Yay! Well, kind of. See, it turns out that she seduced Will as a means to an end. Will, who has joined her in therapy session, is affronted at having been used. What does she want, he asks. Nothing, she replies, but she indicates that she's not opposed to a male influence in her child's life as long as that male isn't her brother. 
The next scene involves Mason, and I'll let you listen to it. I'm highlighting it because it's an exceptionally uh, well-done scene, and one of two that directly involves Mason in this episode. All right, here it is. Come along, children. What's your name? Franklin. Do you like horses, Franklin? Whoa. Where do you stay, Franklin? With Mama and Shirley. Mama is not your real mama, is she? She's my foster. Do you love Mama and Shirley? And Kitty Cat. And Kitty Cat, yes. Franklin, you can't stay there anymore with Mama and Shirley and Kitty Cat. You have to go away. Who says? The government says Mama lost her job and her approval as a foster home. You can't see her after this week. You can't see Kitty Cat after this week either. Why not? Maybe they just, they just don't want you anymore. Franklin. Is there something wrong with you? There is, isn't there? Oh, here, here. Here we go. Can, can you put your head back just like that? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Have a chocolate. Okay, for, for people who have not read the books, this scene continues to show how depraved Mason really is. That he would intentionally make a child cry just so he can collect a few tears to drink in his martinis is a terrible thought. If you read the books, you'll know that this was actually there. And But for those who have, have read the books as, you know, let me actually pause and say that again so you can actually understand what I'm saying. For those who have read the books, this doesn't even register on his list of bad deeds. I mean, it's a terrible thing, but it's like chump change compared to what he eventually does and things he's already done. It was disturbing to see the kid cry and, and he was just being tormented by this adult, you know, someone that he should have been able to trust, and instead, you know, he's, he's doing this terrible thing to this child, uh, abusing him emotionally, which seems to be, you know, as we know, his uh, main weapon. Waking up from nightmares involving flaming wheelchairs, Will is startled to find Alana at his door. 
he inquires as to whether whether or not they do social visits anymore. Well, they don't they don't really do them, but this isn't a social visit. She wants to know what happened to Freddie Lowndes. He tells her that nobody believed him when he accused of Han- when he accused Hannibal. So nobody would believe Alana about him. He then goes inside and brings out a gun and gives it to her. And he tells her to practice and to not be afraid to use it. Would no one really believe believe her if she were to say that that Will killed Freddy or or killed someone else? If Alana accused him, I think that I think people would take notice. It's just it's something that sounds like wishful thinking to me. He may have been cleared of the charges in his trial, but I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who still think that he did the terrible crimes that he was originally um, convicted of. So Will goes to Freddy's funeral where he finds Alana watching from a distance. Alana suspects that he's there to dance on her grave. He's not, though. And he says so. She mentions that he's not there to look for the killer either. Alana says that the killer could be standing right next to her. But Will says that he's there due to Hannibal's instructions. She's not happy to hear about this and she walks away. Alana is still desperately clinging to what she hopes is the truth right now. But as in the last couple of weeks, cracks are starting to show and they're only getting bigger. The next scene involves a discussion between Hannibal and Will in his office, and I'll let you listen to it and give my thoughts once it's finished. Okay, so here it is. I've been so preoccupied with taking a life, I'm uh, having trouble wrapping my head around making one. When men become fathers, they undergo biochemical changes that affect the way they think. You said the same thing happens when men become killers. Fathers can be killers. What sort of father would you be? I'd be a good father. How quickly we form attachments to something that does not yet exist. No, I'm not attached. I'm only anticipating attachment. We have a deep-seated need to interact with our children. It helps us discover who we are. Have you ever been a father? I was to my sister. She was not my child, but she was my charge. She taught me so much about myself. Her name was Misha. Was? She's dead. Abigail reminded me so much of her. Why did you kill her? What happened to Abigail had to happen. There was no other way. There was. 
there isn't now. Would you protect this child in the way you couldn't protect Abigail? Still dream about Abigail. Dream that I'm teaching her how to fish. I'm sorry. I took that from you. Wish I could give it back. So do I. Occasionally, I drop a teacup to shadow on the floor. On purpose. I'm not satisfied when it doesn't gather itself up again. Someday, perhaps, a cup will come together. Okay, so for a moment I thought that maybe Will's own facade was beginning to falter. He's kept up this mask as a dead-eyed killer for a while now, but in this scene you can see how upset he still is regarding Abigail's death. I found the whole discussion from top to bottom fascinating, you know, discussing fatherhood, you know, what it would mean to be a father. It's the kind of discussion that you wouldn't think you would have between two serial killers, two supposed serial killers. But it was it was a discussion that illuminated some things in Hannibal's past, including his sister, Misha. And it also illuminated how much Will wants to have, a, I, think, I think, have a child. And now, since he's on the verge of having one, I think for him it's an exciting time. So next we move on to uh, Freddy's grave, which has been dug up and her body has been displayed like the god Shiva. Alana arrives and all but points her finger at Will and shrieks and you know and shrieks that she he's the killer. But she makes it quite clear it's Will without saying his name directly. Jack, however, doesn't seem at all bothered by it. And more on Jack and his odd behavior later. Next, we see Margot coming back from her ride. Mason is there to meet her at the stables and remarks that riding agrees with you. You've got a balloon. Much like Alana in the last scene, Mason doesn't come out and say that Margot has a child, but he makes it clear that he knows. It seems Mason has taken up. Hannibal's offer for therapy and makes it know that he's not pleased about Margot's power move through childbearing. Hannibal points out that the Verger line could carry on, but Mason's mind is turning dark and disturbing with each passing second. Alana goes to see Hannibal, but you can see she is distraught. She doesn't understand that this connection between he and Will and, the, and questions Will's progress in therapy. Hannibal tries to calm her down 
tries to calm her fears and says that, you know, Will's making progress, but you can tell that she doesn't really believe it. Hannibal takes her hand and he smells it before kissing it. And I didn't think about this directly, like in that moment, but I remember when I went back and watched it for the second time, I realized that by doing that, Hannibal can smell the GSR or gunshot residue. And, you know, given the fact that Alana has been probably out using that gun, could this be the end of Alana in the next episode or two, in the finale? I, I don't want it to happen, but I have to think, yes. I have to think that there's a good chance that Alana will not be among the living here in a couple of weeks. Feeling like she and her baby are in danger, Margot packs up and leaves the mansion. It seems like an easy getaway before an SUV slams into her car while she's driving down the road. And we see that the driver of the SUV is Carlo, or Mason's pig handler friend, uh, who seems to be training the pigs to eat humans. The next scene between Margot and Mason is a short one. Uh, I'll let you listen to it, and then I want to talk about what we've just listened to, or if you watched the episode, what you've just watched. So, here we go. just can't win. I have to remove this temptation. You're going to find something wrong with your lady parts, Margot. Or so the record will state. The doctor will advise me that it's best if they take everything. I'm afraid the only person you'll be celebrating Mother's Day with is me. I gotta say that uh, this was an extremely difficult scene to watch, and regardless of how many viewings, I watched the episode three times, and even when I knew it was coming, and the second and third time I watched it, it was it was hard. Maybe in a way even harder after having watched it the first time. 
I mean, the look of glee on Mason's face. And, you know, juxtaposed to the look of anguish at the loss that that Margot knows she's about to endure. It's just it's just one of the saddest scenes I've witnessed on this show so far. Regardless of how she manipulated Will to have a child, the fact that Mason is taking it all away from her and any future ability to conceive is a terrible loss. You're not just losing your child, you're losing any any chance that you'll ever have to bear children yourself down the road. It's just, um, it, it makes you hate Mason even more than you already do, you know, and it's not, it's not difficult to hate him, but to, everything he's done so far to me is just, it's just child's play up until this point, because this here right now is the crowning moment at this point so far in the show, the crowning moment of his, the evilness, the evil that lies inside him, this is the this is the worst thing he's ever done so far that we've been witness to on this show, at least. So anyway, we move on to Alana, and she confronts Jack in his office. She knows something is up. She knows something else is going on between he, Will, and Hannibal, and she wants answers, and she wants them now. She has no confidence in herself regarding who Will and Hannibal are anymore, and it's this statement, I think, that causes Jack to take Alana down the hall to open a door whereupon she and we see Freddie Alounds alive and well. Will visits Margot in the hospital to find out what Mason did to her, and also finds about the out finds out out finds a let me see this again. Will visits Margot in the hospital to find out what Mason did to her and also finds out the loss that both he and Margot have to endure now. He's livid, of course, and pays Mason a visit as his, at, visit at his estate, where he punches him in the face. Mason, of course, doesn't appear, you know, he, he doesn't appear to care. He's unfazed, and he says, I'm going to feed you to my pigs. Will pushes him and holds him over the pen of man-eating pigs, but he has no intention of killing Mason. Will understands that, as usual, Hannibal has been manipulating events. He's now taken two daughters away from him, one figurative in Abigail and the other wholly his own in his unnamed and unborn child. So he makes sure that Mason understands that the only thing they have in common, all of them, is that they share the same psychiatrist. And the episode ends with Will telling Mason, Dr. Lecter is the one you want to be feeding to your pigs. And that's the end of the episode. So yeah, look, this is a, it's been a standout episode. This is just brilliant stuff from the opening second to the closing second. And it really sets the stage for the final two episodes. A lot of episodes that try to set, kind of set things up often feel like exactly that is set up. Whereas this episode felt like um, wholly its own while also setting things up for the next couple of episodes. And maybe, you know, things longer term down the road. 
But I wanted I have some bullet points here. I wanted to just mention some things about the episode. So uh, we didn't get a murder of the week, which was great, fine by me. Um, I'm not opposed to murder of the week, but I think when the show has less ep- less of those episodes and more uh, of the you know episodes that push the plot forward for the season uh, between the characters and strong character development stuff like that, that's when the show is really peaking. The show went all in on attempting to convince us that Freddy was dead and Will was indeed her killer. Yeah, look, Will has, they've done a great job at showing Will as this dark, a much darker person now out of prison, which I believe he is regardless. But Will has had to do some terrible things to convince Hannibal that he's a killer. I don't know whether he, you know, Hannibal believes him or not, but I think that Will's done a great job of that so far. The show has done, you know, as best they can to to make it convincing. Okay? I mean, Will has, Will's had to be a pure method actor right now because it's the only way to convince Hannibal he's a killer and it's the only way to bring him down. Since we are seeing things from Will's perspective... It enables the show to fool us by limiting what we know as an audience. For instance, we watched as Will attacked Freddie Lowndes and dragged her away in the snow. What we did not get a chance to see, and I'm only speculating here, was Will calming Freddie down long enough to explain to her exactly what's going on. And as a storytelling device, this works wonderful, wonderfully. Because it gives the show a chance of saying, hey, you're looking at this through the eyes of this person, so you're not going to see everything. You're going to miss out on some stuff, and it's it's those things that we miss out on which eventually come back and you know blow our minds when we see how wonderfully it was constructed, which is what I think we're going to see in retrospect looking back on this season, how great and how wonderful everything was kind of constructed plot-wise. Kudos uh, to Jack for not overplaying his hand. You get the sense that Jack has had to make peace with the fact that he must allow Will to do some very bad things in order to catch Hannibal. And the fact that he's willing to let that happen tells you exactly how much he wants to bring him down. Uh, Caroline did a masterful job this week by showing Alana's growing distrust of everything she believes is true. Uh, she's been hard to sympathize with over the last five or six, six episodes. Um, but now it appears like she's beginning to see things as they really are, at least suspecting the possibility might actually exist. And the symbiotic relationship is endlessly fascinating to watch between Hannibal and Will. And let's be clear, it is a symbiotic relationship, which means both parties gain something from the other rather than a, a parasitic relationship where one person takes and the other does not uh, take, get to take anything in return, so they don't get anything. And, you know, Hannibal gets what he needs out of seeing Will become a killer. And Will, on the other hand, gets to be honest with himself about the dark impulses that are within him. While also moving one step closer to bringing Hannibal down in the process. So, 
I remember mentioning a couple couple times earlier in the season when I thought I wondered aloud whether Will was going to be risking him his own soul to bring down Hannibal. What is he going to give up when I, when it when he brings down Hannibal? He's going to have to do whatever it takes, and I can just see that it's it's going to take something for Will to do it if it hasn't already. And so I give this episode 10 out of 10. Like I said in the intro, it's it's possibly the best episode of the season. Um, it's high praise to say that because it's been such a stellar season and such stellar episodes. Uh, a level of consistency, which is uh, fantastic to watch, to see just that level of consistency each week. Okay, so that's it for the recap and review. And... Uh, I'm going to move right on to the feedback. We have a, a little bit of feedback this week, and I'll, I'll let you uh, start listening to that now. You're listening to the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. Okay, so we're here for the feedback portion of the podcast, and we have two emails this week, no voicemails, and the first one is from Sandra Peiser from Germany, and she writes, Hello, Michael. Thank you for your last word segment last week. I knew that Will was out to trap Hannibal, but seeing him kill Manimal with his hands and displaying him made me doubt that he was still on this path. I feared that he had given in to his dark side. With the reveal of the quite-alive Freddy Lowndes, these doubts are gone. Well, not all of them. Jack is in on the plan. How do we get from a Jack in the know to the first scene in the episode, of a, in episode one this season? Why would he go to Hannibal alone and without backup when he confronts him? Another interesting question for next week will be, can Alana keep the secret? My guess is no. She is a bad liar. And what are they eating? Does human meat taste different from pork or beef? Would Hannibal's fine taste buds know the difference? And is he really as fooled as Will and Jack thinks he is? Think he is. He has not confessed directly to anything so far. Now, Mason Verger. What a creep. The scene when he intimidates the boy was antagonizing to watch. I hope we don't get more with him and children. I felt sorry for Margot, but just a little bit. She always has the option to leave and make a living like everyone else. Work in a supermarket or sweep floors. Where did Mason find the willing doctors to help him? I am very much looking forward to the next episode. Greetings. Well, first off, Sandra, thank you for uh, the email. And as to some of the points that you were talking about, I think that the writers did a really good job throughout the last weeks, like I mentioned in the podcast, of making Will look like he had finally gone over the edge. Okay. 
and he's done a, an excellent job. I think that the acting and everything has been superb. And if you didn't think about the possibility that uh, Will was, you know, f trying to full Hannibal or pull a, a con on him, a long con, then, yeah, uh, if I didn't think about that, if I was just watching it and it didn't, didn't, you know, pop in my head, I would, I would think that Will was going down that route because it was done so convincingly. And yeah, uh, Freddie is alive and well, just as. Um, you know, many fans figured, and Jack is in on the plan. Now, why does Jack go at the end of this season alone to Hannibal's without any backup? Well, we don't know yet. There could be a lot of reasons. Uh, maybe maybe some people are out of commission. Um, maybe most of his agents are protecting Will and Alana. I, it, it could be any number of reasons. My gut feeling is that Jack isn't going there as an agent of the law. I think first and foremost, in you when you watch that scene in the in the opening in the premiere for this season, I got the sense that Jack was there to kill. He was there to well, if not kill, severely beaten. Hannibal. All right, if he was there as an officer of the law, well, of course he would go in there with his uh, gun drawn, and his main objective would be to bring Hannibal in for justice. I got the feeling that Jack was there, and if Hannibal were, Hannibal were to die, I don't think Jack would feel guilty in the slightest. So, he, I think he went there because he felt it was something he needed to do alone or he couldn't do with other people around. And that's just a, a guess. I, I can be completely wrong. But that's just my hunch at the moment. Uh, so as for Alana, yeah, she's not the best liar. She does not have a poker face whatsoever. And so, yeah, I don't know that she can keep a secret. And as for the human taste and the difference between uh, pork or beef and, and filet of human, I, look, Hannibal would know the difference. I think what he has been eating is chunks of Randall. Okay. Remember, Will's got that freezer. Okay, that Freddy found. And there's a lot of stuff in there. It wasn't just that thing that Freddy pulled out. I mean, I I think if you look at Hannibal or uh, the tableau with uh, Randall, okay, that was just a skeleton. Most of the meat and everything was gone. So I have to imagine that Will has quite a bit in that freezer, okay, and he can pull that out at any moment. And, and Hannibal's not going to know the difference between female and male. I mean, he's got fantastic taste buds, but he's not going to know the difference there. Okay, so you asked if uh, if Hannibal is really being fooled as much as we think he is, as, as much as, as Will and Jack think they are fooling Hannibal. Look, there's a chance, maybe, that Hannibal knows 
or thinks that he that everything isn't um completely kosher but look he look he knows that will wants to kill him that desire hasn't left will but like i said i think the the chance to see will hatch from his cocoon into this beautiful and dangerous killer is worth the risk and ultimately i, I don't know that necessarily it would be worth hannibal's life but i think it's a risk he's willing to take right now okay i think he's being i think he's been fooled i think he's been fooled i think will's done a really good job at at fooling everyone around him yeah and the scene between mason and the boy is just yeah that's that was that was hard to watch because you're watching a, a small child get emotionally abused and all for a tear so that Mason can drink a martini later. I mean, that's ridiculous, but then again, we're talking about a psychotic killer. So, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's Mason, so it's not surprising. And yeah, I felt sorry for Margot. I do. I I feel the same way you do in that she's had a chance to leave at any time. But she has no skills in the outside world. She's never had to make her way, which, you know, some might say, uh, well, boo-hoo, but at the same time, she has no skills. She's never had to fend for herself in any way, and she could try, and I'm sure over time she would find a way to become more resourceful, but it's a pretty cruel world out there, and she's never been prepared for it. And she's been through a lot, and a lot of terrible and awful things, but there's a difference between that and going from the privilege that she's had all her life to working 40 hours a week for probably the amount of money that she gets in a month is probably what she spends in a single day right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel bad for her, though, because what's done to her and what's taken away from her and will is precious and it's an awful loss so i did feel bad for her and the doctors they could have come from anywhere i mean this is mason i'm sure that there have been times in the past for either him or his father where they've needed doctors who don't ask questions and Maybe all it took was a quick phone call, and within a few hours, they were there. So, yeah, uh, thank you for for the email, and uh, we got the finale coming up here in just a couple of weeks, so um, this is getting crazy. It's getting exciting, and I uh, can't wait to uh, get to the next episode because I think it's only going to get more exciting as we go along for the next two episodes. Okay, so we're going to move on to our second email, and this is from Sarah in British Columbia, and she says, Hey Michael, that was an amazing episode. It is my favorite episode of the series, a 10 out of 10 for me. The beginning with Hannibal drowning the songbirds sets the tone for the whole episode. It hurts your heart. 
the scene with Mason and Franklin just makes you cringe and makes you feel sick. I remember reading this scene in the Hannibal book and thinking, what can Mason do? All he can do is talk to the kid, whatever, and the emotional trauma inflicted on this child in a matter of just three pages was heart-wrenching. I was in tears, and seeing it brought to the screen, it was hard to watch, and it breaks your heart. And what breaks your heart even more, and shows just how evil of a psychotic bastard Mason is, is the scene with Margot. If, if it isn't bad enough what he's doing to her, it's that he brings her out of unconsciousness just to tell her that he is taking the life inside of her and taking away her ability to create life. And to top it off, takes her tears. I was a mess from that scene. You feel for her, and will. And then the ending, not only is the lovely Lounge alive, but everyone is Team Will now. Everyone appears to be on the side of taking Hannibal down now. They all know, they all, they are all now a part of the game, and their liability is Alana. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Looking forward to your theories. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Looking forward to it. Laters. Sarah. Well, thank you. And you know what? As I mentioned in the, the last voicemail, when it came to the Mason and Marco scene, it was brutal. It was brutal for the kid because he's a defenseless creature. You know, he doesn't understand what's going on. He just knows that he's been told some awful things and now it's upset him and it's probably traumatized him you know to hear what Mason told him but as bad as that was and it was difficult to watch that it was even worse for Margot because although she's been around this all of her life which makes you feel bad enough for her as it stands the worst part like you just said, and I didn't even think to touch on this, was that he brought her out of being unconscious just so he could let her know exactly what he was going to do to her and what he was taking away from her. And he's not taking it away from just from Margot, he's taking it from Will. I mean, Will wasn't happy to know that Margot had done this to him, had manipulated, you know, the situation with him just so that she could get pregnant. I mean, I'd be upset too, but at the same time, it's done. There is, you know, now a human child on the way. And it's um, difficult to watch. The, the anguish on her face is just horrific. And, you know, of course... Will is upset and angry, and he knows exactly who's orchestrated it. So, yeah, <laughs> it was it was hard, and I agree. It's 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 bad for for anybody that comes in can, into uh, Mason's orbit. And as for everyone suddenly being on Team Will, I agree, and it's deserved. You know, like Will said many times recently, that 
he knows what it's like to accuse someone, know the truth, and yet not be heard. You know, not be, not even little, not really even been listened to. You know, um, it's like they heard it, but then but nobody ever gave him the credit for everything he's done in the past and just listened to what he had to say and took it seriously. And and now it <laughs> they know that he's right. They know he's been right and they feel awful about it. And you know, this is this is people making amends. Okay. This is Jack doing everything he can within his power to make sure that Hannibal comes down or goes down for everything. And that means looking the other way, as Will has, has had to do some pretty uh, terrible and dark things in order to, to do this. But I think Jack's guilt is so... It's so potent right now. You know, because... It's caused Jack, or just, I'm sorry, it's caused Will to be locked up, for his name to be tarnished, Beverly to die, his wife, that situation there. You know, you can go on and on. And it's just, it's building on one after the other. So, yeah, look, it's Team Will and. Whether it's Jack, whether it's Freddie, who also, I think, is now understanding that she has been wrong about Will. I think everybody's trying to do everything they can to do whatever Will needs, because that's what he deserves. He deserves, at this moment, honestly, unflinching loyalty in his cause, which is bringing Hannibal down for what he's done. So, I would be on Team Will if I was confronted with the same situation. If I'd been wrong, and now I realize that my error has caused people to die around me. Friends, colleagues, innocents, whoever. I would probably be willing to do anything and everything if it meant bringing that true killer in, you know, down and in for justice for what he's done or she's done. So, yeah, it's it's really ramping up here. Uh, I love the way this season has gone. has been, I think, brilliant. And when the finale podcast comes around, I'm going to have a chance because at that point we'll have all the information. And I'm going to do everything I can in that podcast to kind of, pl- you know, really lay out the, the timeline of events and, and how we got from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Because I think once we get to the end, I think it's going to be one of those things where you look back on the season and you go, okay, okay, it was brilliant from episode to episode. But now looking at the the long-term storylines, the arcs, the individual arcs, and then the arcs that make up the entire you know, season, the threads that, you know, uh, weave together, okay, to see how they've done it and the themes that they've also woven into the tapestry of the season. That's when it's going to be 
even better. It's when you can look back and just go, wow, okay, that was brilliant. And I think it's what we did in the first season. First season was the same way. We look back on season uh, on season one after it was all done, and you're like, oh boy, you know, that each week you're like, okay, brilliant, brilliant, wonderful, great writing, da, da, da. And then you get to the end of the season, and you see you know, how everything kind of worked and played out, and you realize just how brilliant the show is. Okay, sorry for <laughs> going out on a bit of a uh, a bit of a tangent there uh, at the end. Okay, so um, I think I'm just going to transition right into the final word segment, and I'm going to do that now. Looking to contribute to the podcast? Send an MP3 file or email to hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. So, my final word this week is going to do with, to do, has something to do with Hannibal again. I'm going to ask a very simple question, and it's something I got from Sandra's uh, email, which is, do you think that Hannibal Lecter has any idea of the the plan that Will and Jack are doing? Are you, are you know what, what is he, is he aware of the plan that they are trying so desperately to accomplish? You know, is he taking precautions? Does he, like Will, have a mask up that Will believes and is beneath that mask already can, you know, manipulating events? It, you know, what do you think? Do you think that his manipulation of the events with Margot and her baby and Mason... Was that an indication he's still doing what he can to hurt Will? Do you think he did it because it meant that Will would not be um, distracted by a child in his life? I don't know. I mean, if I had to pick... I would say he doesn't know. I don't think he knows. That's just my, my opinion, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he knows. At least not at the moment. I think Will has done a really good job at playing the game. So there it is. That's my question. Does Hannibal know about the plan that Will and Jack are on? Does he know that Will is a fake killer? Well, a killer, but is that he's faking much more than what's uh, what he's being honest about. You tell me. Let me know. I'd like to know. Okay, so that's it for the podcast this week. And I think, like I said, things are really, really starting to ramp up. Uh, the season's been fantastic. We've been renewed. So, of course, we're going to get another season of 
Hungry for Hannibal next uh, next year. I will continue to do podcasts, of course, throughout the rest of this season. After the season, I have a, a few uh, things in the works right now. Um, once I get uh, definite confirmation of some stuff, I will make an announcement, hopefully soon. And in the off-season, I will try to toss in a podcast or two just to have some kind of content. I don't know what it's going to be about. I mean, it'll be related to Hannibal, of course, but I don't know exactly what is going to be happening in that those podcasts. But I want to toss at least one out every once in a while just to give you some kind of content. And I won't just put it out there just to have just to hear my voice talk. It's If I hear anything, if there's a casting, if there's whatever... If there's anything official um, regarding the show, um, I'll probably end up doing a podcast about it just to uh, let you know so that you know and um, so that I can comment on it. Okay, so uh, I can't wait till the next episode. It's going to be brilliant, I think. I haven't seen the previews for this coming episode, and uh, so I want to be surprised all right so i hope everyone out there has a good week i hope everyone is enjoying hannibal as much as i am and of course i hope that you'll be hungry for more hannibal next time all right everyone have a good day bye